Hallelujah, hallelujah. You have the victory tonight? Anybody have the victory? Praise God. The victory is in Jesus. The victory is in Jesus. The victory is in a life surrendered to Jesus. That's your victory. There's power in the name. There's freedom in the name. There's victory in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. There's victory in the name of Jesus. Power, freedom, and victory in the name of Jesus. Never forget that. When you go out these doors, you have to know this by faith, that there's power, freedom, and victory in the name of Jesus. Power. The power to be able to overcome darkness. The power to be able to overcome sin. The power to be able to overcome everything that the devil throws at you. You have the power of the Holy Spirit given to you. Freedom. You are no longer bound. You're no longer bound by addiction. You're no longer bound by the things of this world. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are no longer bound. The things that have kept you chained, the things that have kept you hostage in this world, you are set free from them. When Jesus went to the cross, he set you and I free by faith. Power, freedom, and victory. Meaning this, my victory is in Jesus. Even though sometimes the circumstances are overwhelming, the trials are overwhelming, the obstacles are still ahead of me, but I do know this, that my victory is in Jesus. And I, I rest in that, that incredible blessed assurance that the victory that was won for me, it happened at the cross. And so the cross still works. The cross worked 2,000 years ago. The cross works right now in the name of Jesus. The power of the cross. And in order for you to understand, in order for you to continue to grow in the confidence and faith of knowing that you have power, knowing that you have freedom, knowing that you have the victory, it, it comes by you continually going back to this truth here, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. If you're not in this word, then what happens is, is you forget. And what happens is, is when you're going through trials and you're going through stuff in your life, you start to draw back. But as long as I keep going back to the word, I'm reminded that I have the victory. Because I know sometimes it's like, man, I do not see it. Like I got stuff going down and it's overwhelming. But when it's overwhelming, I just go back to God's word. I open it up and, and I'm reminded that he, he's faithful, he's true. I've got power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. I've got freedom in Jesus and I've got the victory. I don't even see the victory yet, but my, by faith in Jesus, I know I'm going to have the victory. I know it. It's so important. If you're going to stay alive in Christ, if you're going to stay alive, if you're, going to, if you're going to live a life fully surrendered to Jesus, growing in Jesus, you have to stay in the word. Because when you stay in the word, you stay awake. When you stay in the word, you stay alive. You see, there's a lot that's pulling at us, grabbing our attention. That's a lot. I mean, if you, we, we take out our phones, it's like the entire world is right there in the palm of your hand, Right? I mean, we have access to everything. What do we say to people nowadays when they have a question? Google it. We don't even bother to entertain anybody's questions anymore. It's the quick response to everything. Google it. And we go to our phones and we go from Google, we go from social media, we go to YouTube. Everybody loves YouTube. I mean, I mean you, you want to be entertained by something? There it is on YouTube. 
And so you've got all of this, all of these connections coming at you. You know, the average person, I found out, spends at least two and a half hours on social media every day. Two and a half hours. Man, that's a lot of time. But yet we'll struggle just to spend two minutes in God's word. After two minutes of prayer, we're like, oh man, I don't even know what to pray no more. (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about. You ever thought that maybe your time in prayer is not you talking so much, but maybe just sitting and resting and knowing that you have power, freedom, and victory in Jesus and allow him to just minister to your heart? I'm learning this. The Lord is even just kind of leading me as I'm, I'm, as I'm speaking to you because I had another message, but sometimes the Holy Spirit will just shift you. And the Lord was like, I need you to just get out here and just talk to your people. Hey, two and a half hours per day in social media. It's like you and I are alive and awake to a whole lot of stuff going on here in New York City, across the country, overseas. We have direct access to it. But is there anybody who's willing to be connected to Jesus tonight? Because that's the most important connection you will ever make in life. It's your lifeline. Your lifeline. Everything else, horizontally, is not your lifeline. It's entertainment. It's curiosity fulfilled. Imaginations fulfilled. Fantasies. Stuff that only satisfies temporarily. But in Jesus, we're talking about a lifeline that connects us eternally. So you have to stay awake and stay alive. And that happens when you set your eyes on Jesus. That happens when you study the word and read the word and spend time in the word. And it's got to be more than two minutes a day. Some of you can text for two hours and you don't even realize it. Some of you are fully capable of holding multiple conversations with multiple text messages going on. Why? Because we're hardwired for relationships. We, 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 we were created in such a way where we want to stay connected with somebody. This is why we love friendship. This is why we, this is why we, we, we make an effort to talk to somebody before the day is out. New Yorkers know how to talk. We don't talk to somebody before the day is up. And if nobody talks to us, we're going to text somebody. What's up? Where you at? What's going on? Because we desire relationships. We desire community. We desire to be connected to somebody. No greater connection than the one that you will have with Jesus. There's no greater connection. This is... Hey, this is why... Jesus allows himself to be so vulnerable in the Garden of Gethsemane. I love this moment leading up to his trial. He's God. He's 100% man, 100% God. He knows that the soldiers are getting ready to come to the park because Gethsemane was like his central park. He was always there. He used to always go with his disciples. He used to always hang out there with his friends. This particular night was different. He comes and he shows up to the park and the Bible tells us, it tells us throughout all of the gospels that he, he told his disciples, hey, you sit here. And then he says, Peter, James, John, I want you to go a little further with me. 
And it wasn't because he was showing any type of partiality with the others. It's just that he wanted to demonstrate to us that there is friendship with Jesus. You have to understand it's not just, not just some higher being way up there that you come in and you believe in and you want to get, you want to know more and you want to sing to. God calls us friends. You're a friend of God. And that's why we get this incredible picture with Peter, James, and John, where he says to those three, come a little, little further with me. And he invites Peter, James, and John to go a little further. And then he says something that still for me as I read it time and time again, I'm blown away by his vulnerability and his transparency. But that's what happens when there's true friendship with Jesus. There's a vulnerability that you and I are invited to have. And Jesus is the first to lay it out there in that garden. You know, he says to Peter, James, and John, I'm in distress and I'm sorrowful. He says this, he goes a little further. He says, Jesus, Jesus says this, I feel like I'm about to die. That's what he said in scripture. His vulnerability, his transparency in that moment is an example for you and I that we have this opportunity to go before God and to, and to let him know when we just feel like we can't go on anymore. Anybody ever felt like that? But the problem is, is sometimes when we feel like that, we feel like we don't, we, we shouldn't or, 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 or maybe I, I shouldn't let God know kind of really how I feel because maybe he'll be mad at me or maybe I'm not spiritual enough or maybe, maybe like I've heard before, I should be getting myself together. But Jesus himself said, I am in distress I am, I am sorrowful, and I feel like I'm about to die. And then he goes on to say, my, my friends, would you watch with me? Would you watch? And it's an opportunity for Peter, James, and John to stay awake and lock in with Jesus. You see, this story gives us a clear differentiation between simply being close, or are you and I going to be connected? Peter, James, and John, they were close. The Bible says he invited them to be close, and then he goes a stone's throw away, then he falls on his face. Jesus falls on his face, and he cries out, Abba, Father. And in that moment of his prayer, he invites Peter, James, and John to get a little closer. And, and not just to be close, but to be connected. It's not enough just to be close and come to church. you got to get connected to Jesus. It's not enough just to be close and just go to church once a week or twice a week or I enjoy the songs or I enjoy doing the Times Square church thing. I enjoy doing the religious thing. I enjoy popping in and out. No. It's not enough to be close. You have to be connected to Jesus. You have to be all in. You have to be fully surrendered. You have to come alive in Jesus Christ. Amen to that. Many of us know the story. They fell asleep. How do you fall asleep on Jesus? Well, honestly, we do it too. As you and I are connected this way for two and a half hours, we've fallen asleep on Jesus. 
as you and I make an effort to read the word, and I don't know where to begin. I don't know, it just doesn't all make sense to me. Rather than just trusting that the word will do what you can't figure out. The word has the power to work whether you feel like it works or not. You just got to put your faith in the word of God. The word representing Jesus. And also too, when you receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in and it's the power of the Holy Spirit working in you that gives you a joy and an excitement to read the word. I don't read the word based upon my feelings. I read the word in faith knowing that when I read it, it's going to work out on my behalf. Without it, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Without the word, I am lost. Without the word, I have no sense of direction. Without the word, let me tell you something, I'm stuck in one place. Without the word, I'm not walking in my freedom. Without the word, I'm not walking in my power. Without the word, I'm not walking in my victory. Stay awake. Come alive in the word. And if if you struggle sometimes just to read it, Pull up the app on your phone. Play the audio. Watch how the word begins to fill your heart and fill your soul. Don't allow your soul to starve. The nourishment comes only from God's word. Satisfaction that you get here in this world, it'll rot the insides of your soul. It does. I know some of us, we retreat and we, we play our favorite band, our favorite artists. And, and at times, let me tell you something, it's, it's good sometimes to listen to some good music. And may I strongly encourage you that your music selection be a representation of your faith in Jesus. But music can never be a substitute for God's word. Music can never be a substitute for God's word. You have to get into God's word. You see, the word became flesh and the word dwelt amongst man. That was Jesus. And so Jesus is back to the story, was with Peter, James, and John. And I love Jesus in this moment of scripture because he keeps coming back to those who are asleep. And that is a representation of his amazing grace for you and I. You leave it to me. If I call you friends and I've asked you just to look out for me, if I express to you, I feel like I'm about to die. I don't know if I can go another step. Could you just hang out with me? And when I turn my back and I find that my three friends are knocked out with their mouth open and drool coming out their mouth and their head rolling all the way around like a clock, I'm going to leave them right there and keep it moving. Either that or I'm going to wake them up and be like, wow, that's really disrespectful. We're supposed to be friends. But Jesus takes another approach and he looks at Peter and he says, hey, Peter, hey, man, could you, um, could you not stay awake for just one hour? I believe Jesus is still asking us that question. Hey, church, hey, everybody that's here at Times Square Church for the six o'clock service, could you not maybe um, turn off Netflix for just one hour? And maybe just kind of sit in my presence and maybe just allow me to minister to you. 
and to remind you that I love you and I care about you and, and to remind you that I'll never leave you nor forsake you and to remind you that my grace is sufficient. I know you're enjoying that Netflix series. I know you're about to binge all night long, but you know what? Please don't ever say that you don't, aren't able to find the time with me. Peter, could you not just hang with me for one hour? And the Bible makes it very clear that he didn't even know how to respond. He didn't even know what to say. The three of them didn't know what to say. And he goes back and he prays again a second time. Then he comes back again and he finds them sleeping. They could not stay awake. He goes back. Oh, and by the way, the prayer. Oh, Abba, Father. You see, if they had only stayed awake and just watched, maybe their reaction when the soldiers were going to show up would have been a little different. He goes away and he says, Abba, Father, meaning this, uh, my identity is fully in the, in the heavenly Father. He invites us into his prayer language. He invites us in, in, into relationship with the Father. Abba, Father. And then I love what Jesus says. Jesus says, if there's another way to save everybody here at Times Square Church, God, I'm so down for it. That's basically what he said. If there's another way that we can save them, if there's another way that we can save them from their sin, if there's another way that we can save them from their mess, if there's another way, if there was a way that you could remove this cup from me, and he was talking about the cup of death, he, was, he knew, he knew just in, in, a, in a short amount of time that the nails were going to be driven through his hands. He knew in a short amount of time the nails were going to be driven through his feet. He knew in a short amount of time that they were going to press these crown of thorns on his head. They were going to punch him in the face. They were going to whip him till his back was open. Furthermore, the one thing that he dreaded was that moment where he would be separated from his father, where he would take on sin, my sin, your sin. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed the same prayer every time, Abba Father, if, if, if it be possible to remove this cup. But, but then his prayer always ends in humility and in reverence for the glory of the Father. And every time he prayed three times, he said, not my will, but God, your will be done. And may that be your prayer. You know, that prayer sets the captives free. That prayer changes things in your life. That prayer gets God excited about you. When you and I pray, not my will, but your will be done. That's a prayer of surrender. That's a prayer of freedom. That's a prayer of victory. That's a prayer of power. When we say, not my will, your will be done, God. I mean, there's a lot of things I'd like to see happen. There's a lot of things I'd love to change in my life. I get it. Can I get an amen? amen? I sure would like for my bank account to look a little different. I sure would like for just somebody to, to marry. You know, some of those words, you know, some of the things that we ask for. I sure would like for my marriage to work out. I sure wish there was another way I could get around not having to go to school. And the list goes on and on and on for the New Yorkers. But are we willing to conclude our prayer and say, not my will, but your will be done? It's an incredible testimony that we receive through our Savior, Jesus. And still, these boys fell asleep through the entire thing. And still, he keeps coming back.
It's because, like we sang earlier, you can't earn this kind of love. You can't earn it. We don't deserve his grace, but even though we're, we can't stay awake, he just keeps showing up saying, I love you. Would you stay with me? Would you watch with me? Would you pray with me? I, I love you. I call you friend. And here we are, left and right, two and a half hours, connected to the world, but not recognizing this incredible connection with Jesus where he's saying, look, watch me, Abba Father. I, not my will, but your will be done. I'm, I'm going to the cross. And oh man, you know, there's this incredible detail in that moment when he was praying. The Bible tells us that he was, the, the intensity of his prayer was so much that he was sweating as he would, as he would pray. Uh, uh, scholars and, and my study ha have brought me to this incredible conclusion that most likely every time he went away, he prayed for an hour, which is why he asked Peter, could you just pray with me for one hour? He said, the flesh is weak. I get it. Our flesh is weak and flawed, but the spirit indeed is willing. You have to pray in the spirit. You have to read the word in the spirit. You have to trust the Holy Spirit working in you in order to make the effort to, to stay awake and stay alive. And, he, and I believe that every time he went away, he went away for one hour. And the Bible says that he, he fell on his face. And the Bible goes on to say this, that when he began to sweat, it was, it was great drops of blood that were in the sweat as it was pouring out of his head. Scholars have, have come to the conclusion that possibly if the angel had not shown up in the garden, physically, Jesus could have suffered a brain aneurysm because he had, he had, he had popped, the, the, the blood vessels burst from just the agony and, and the moment of distress as he was crying out on our behalf while they were asleep. And so they're asleep and he's, 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 he's bleeding out from his head. Great drops of sweat that with blood all in it. And the Bible says in, in Luke's gospel that God sent an angel down into the garden. I honestly believe Peter, James, and John missed that one. But an angel shows up in the garden to comfort Jesus. The angel had to show up in the garden. Because there was no way that God was going to allow his son to die in the park. It's an incredible picture of God's love for you and I. That the angel would show up to strengthen him. Man, let me tell you something. This is Jesus, the only begotten son of God. You would think maybe that God would be like, you know what? They're asleep. Nobody cares. Soldiers are coming. I'm just going to take my son and we're going to start all over again. That's what I would have done if I was God. I mean, you have to picture this. The heavenly father, as he's listening to his son cry, as he's watching his son bleed in the park, the heavenly father says, no, 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 no. We got to stick to the plan. We've got people to save here in New York City. Son, you're not dying in the park. These people are, are lost, broken, hurting. And the angel comes in and comforts Jesus. No, son. My only son, you're not going to die in the park. I need you to die on the cross because at the cross, there's freedom. 
At the cross, there's power. At the cross, there's victory. At the cross, there is the Son of God who took on the sins of man and set you and I free from it all. So who, who's going to come alive tonight? May this be a church tonight, a house filled with people by faith that are going to say, I'm going to come alive in Jesus. This is not the hour to fall asleep on Jesus. You can fall asleep on me while I'm talking. That's fine. But don't fall asleep on Jesus. Stay awake. Stay alive. Be all in. Be good stewards of your time. Be good stewards of your time. You take the time tomorrow. You open up God's word and trust in faith that God's word is going to speak to you. You have to do it. I'm preaching to you in desperation right now. You got to get into God's word. You have to pray. You have to believe. You have to stand firm in faith. You have to get into God's word. You know, it's amazing how as adults we find ourselves so consumed and connected with so much stuff and rather than discipline ourselves stop and take the time and just get into God's word and take the time just to sit and pray and have conversation with Jesus and trust that the Holy Spirit will will speak to you and lead you and guide you. It's amazing how rather than make the effort to do that, we'll, we'll, we'd rather just complain about just the stuff that's going on in life that doesn't allow for us to make that time out. I've got a very active 10-year-old, my wife and I, very active 10-year-old. I mean, she just, she loves, you know, just to do so many things besides school. She's involved in drama. She's playing soccer. She's doing ballet. I mean, she just, she just goes for it. And we have to sometimes slow her down because she just wants to try it all. You know, I mean, she even finds the time to run outside and play with friends and, and jump on a trampoline. And she's just, she's just enjoying life. But at 10 years old, it's been such an encouragement for to watch her come in the house, sit down, open up her Bible, and read out loud. Read out loud. Now, there have been times, let me be transparent with you. There have been times, especially on a Monday, because Mondays the office is closed here at Times Square Church, and that's, that's my time to try to just, you know, get myself together so... So that we're back at it on Tuesday, especially on a day like this where I, where I had no Pastor Carter, no Pastor Patrick. I'll be so glad when they get back. Thank you, Jesus. And I just want to just kind of lay on my couch and just be a couch potato. I just, I just, my, my family would tell you, I just, I'm like, just laying there, just kind of lifeless, like just trying to recover from like a long week, you know? And, uh, and my daughter the other day, Zoe, she just plops on the couch and she has her little children's Bible and she just opens up that Bible and just, she just picks a place. And sometimes when she, sometimes it's not the easy stuff that she decides to read. It's like, it's like going to like numbers or something, you know, like, 
you know. And she just, just starts reading. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, there's a, there's a lot here in the text. And I'm, I'm thinking, she's 10. She's going to stop after one chapter. She goes on for like three, four, five, six chapters. And she's reading out loud. I'm just sitting there like, wow, man. And she'll read and she'll look up and look at me. So I got to make eye contact with her. And I'm going, oh my gosh, man. I'm like totally checked out right now. But she's still going for it. Like, and the Lord dealt with me the other week because here I am going, would you, like in my mind, my inside voice, would you stop reading God's word for a minute so I can just, and the Holy Spirit dealt with me and was like, uh, but my word is life unto her soul and you and your daughter could never have enough of it. So continue to allow her to read out loud and whether you're tired or not, David, you just respond with joy with her. And it's amazing how at 10, you know, she's excited to read, but somehow when we become adults, it's like, it's just, hey God, I don't have the time to read your word like that. Lord, I'm, I'm the first to say, Lord, deal with me. Give me a true hunger for your word. Give me a real hunger and thirst for your word because it's the only thing that's going to sustain us now. It really is. Will you please listen to me? The, the cute little text that you get from your boyfriend, your girlfriend, it's not enough. The roses that you might get still from the person who loves, it's not enough. Binging on Netflix, it's not enough. And besides, you wake up in the morning, you can barely function at your job. Stop that. Facebook for an hour, two hours? Come on. No. no. What that's doing is basically just causing you to feel like you have to keep up with everybody. And then you come across that one post that just makes you mad or makes you jealous. And then you feel like you got to come back and you got to post something else to get back at them. And now you're just operating out of your own flesh. And that does you no good. And that doesn't do anybody else good who's reading your post. Because when we don't comment your post, now you're mad at us. <laughs> Let's read this text. I want to invite you to pray. Here's, here's our prayer tonight. God, I want to hunger for you. I really do. I, I, I don't want to fall asleep. And tonight, if, if you need to be awakened, if maybe tonight you just haven't come alive yet in the presence of Jesus and you need to be awakened tonight. I want to pray with you. I know that feeling. We've all had those moments where like Peter, James, and John, we just fall asleep. Just come boldly and be like, man, I just, I want a real true hunger for the things of God and I, I need to come alive. I need to be awakened. I've just been falling asleep, but I want to invite you to come down. Let's, let's come alive in Jesus tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. I started out with this word expressing the freedom that you have in Jesus and the power that you have in Jesus and the victory that you have in Jesus. That's what we receive when we come alive in him. And um, praise the Lord. I, I'm going to pray for you that all guilt 
and shame would be removed because, you know, when the soldiers came and they arrested Jesus, the disciples, I mean, they, they just scattered. They, they ran in all different directions and eventually they were like, they were all hiding in this upper room in fear. I mean, probably most likely wrestling with guilt and shame and feeling like, man, we didn't make a stand, man. You know, we just, we blew it. But Jesus rose again on that third day and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is the same spirit that's now going to give you life right now. And it's going to be the Holy Spirit that, that quickens your soul and you come alive in Jesus. And, uh, and eventually those guys were back together in that upper room and they began to pray and the Holy Spirit met them. Amen. And they went from a group of men huddled together in fear to 120 men and women standing in faith filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I'm saying to you is you can't do this in your own strength. It has to be the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. That's the only way you're going to come alive tonight. So I want to pray for you. Repeat this prayer after me. We're going to pray it with you together here in the house from the balcony to the main floor. Heavenly Father, we receive the truth of your word. And your word is Jesus, my Savior, the one who went to the cross and died for all my sins. Forgive me, Jesus. I turn away from wrong and I receive you as my Savior. Come alive in my heart. Come alive in my mind. Come alive in my soul. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me so that I might live and live life abundantly. I ask in faith for your Holy Spirit to fill me, to lead me, to bring comfort to my soul and to change me, reminding me each day that I need your word in order to stay alive and to stay awake. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen.